you're listening to the SSPX podcast. And thanks for listening to episode number 26 of Questions with Father. Today with Father Paul Robinson, we'll be tackling three listener questions. Why is it that the church is very careful about baptizing a child when the parents themselves are not practicing Catholics? Also, we'll be talking about yoga. What is the deal with yoga? Why does the Catholic Church say stay away from that? And first, we'll be talking about the SSPX Brothers. One of our listeners traveled to one of our priories where the SSPX Brothers are located and wanted to know more about them. What's the deal with the SSPX Brothers? What's their vocation and what is their mission? We'll be talking about all that and having discussions all throughout with Father Robinson. Also, we'll be posting this episode on YouTube. And if you're looking at YouTube right now, you'll be able to see videos of the SSPX brothers as we're talking about them as well and all sorts of extra little goodies there too. So we'll be trying to do more of these episodes as video episodes. So the same exact content, the same exact audio that you're hearing on the podcast is on the video, uh, but hopefully more people can view it and share it and more people can learn about the beauty and the truth of traditional Catholicism. More episodes on the way. We have an interview scheduled with Father John McFarland, who is the Vocations Director for the U.S. District of the Society of St. Pius X. We'll be talking about vocations. Also, we have another interview with Father Paul Robinson, episode number 27 of Questions with Father. That's going to be recorded here next week. So plenty more on the way, but let's right now turn to Father Robinson. So, Father, it's been a while since we've talked. We talked last time about, uh, well, we talked about the coronavirus at the very beginning of this whole thing. Uh, Before that, we talked about Holy Week. And before that, it had been a while since we had done a Questions with Father episode. So it's nice to have you back for a normal episode, so to speak. Uh, So how have things been going in Denver? Have you been doing anything fun, like suing the governor or anything like that? (laughs) It's been crazy, Andrew. Um, The the past couple of months, we we went through um, six weeks of of having hours of adoration. On Sundays, we always had the church open. um, We were always able to have... uh, gatherings of 10. So, so we would basically start on Fridays, start having hours of adoration at, at 12 noon and then and go to Sunday at midnight, um, providing confession and communion. So we did that for six wow. weeks. Um, but now we're able to, to have um, about 160 people for mass on a, on a Sunday. Um, and we have three masses and I have to say we're, there's just so many people coming to mass now. I'm just yeah. encouraging. We, we, um, I think we had like 485 last Sunday and this Sunday promises to be just as many, which is, which is many more, I'd say probably, you know, 20% more than we would, what we would have had normally before the coronavirus struck. So, so that's definitely encouraging. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. I've seen the same thing. I'm here in Phoenix at Our Lady of Sorrows Chapel and it's uh, the same sort of thing. A lot of new faces every week, which is a good thing. Uh, So like you said, in our interview about the coronavirus, some good will come of it. This is God's will. And we can say God bless. Coronavirus. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, if, if there has been spiritual benefit from the coronavirus, um, then that's a very good thing. Cause that's, that's what we're made for. And uh, I'm definitely, I think I'm definitely seeing the spiritual benefit that has come to, to a lot of people. Sure. Absolutely. Well, let's hop into the questions, father. Um, the first one is actually about right here in Phoenix. Someone sent us this note and said, Last week, I was visiting Phoenix. This is, of course, a while ago. We save up these questions. Uh, She continues, I met an SSPX brother. His name was Brother Dismas. I thought his name was interesting, so I started Googling the brothers, and I'd like to know more about them. 
Um, I know brother business. He's going to be very embarrassed now that he's being made public, which is great. Um, but she had a few questions about the SSPX brothers. Uh, she said it seemed like a beautiful and needed vocation. And I think you and I agree. So let's start with the basics, Father. Who are the SSPX brothers and what do they do? Well, uh, you know, the, the SSPX brothers are simply religious. I mean, when, we, when we think of religious, we, we think of uh, monks and, and, and nuns. That's typically what we think of. Well, I mean, the brothers are, fall into the, the category of, of the, the monk, effectively, um, but with a different style of, of vocation. So the religious, by definition, is someone who wants to pursue the state of perfection. So the state of perfection is something that is proposed to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. It comes from the gospel. So when our Lord came on this earth, he said, if you want to be perfect, you need to do these three things. Um, and, and that is you need to take effectively the, the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And ever since that time, ever since the coming of our Lord, um, there, there's been thousands, if not millions of people who have wanted to follow that path in life. Um, so as I say, when you, when you have a monk or a nun or a brother, um, they are in that state of perfection. Um, um, so it's just the most effective way most effective mode of life for saving your soul. Uh, and, and by the way, I mean, that's distinct from the priesthood. It's a different vocation from the priesthood. The priests don't take the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, um, whereas the religious do. So the brothers are religious. They, they take these vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, they are, are wanting to pursue perfection in a consecrated state of life. And um, it's just the, the, the differences between priest brothers, I'm sorry, between brothers, uh, monks, and, and nuns is the way in which they pursue, they live out the, the three vows. So each religious order has their own particular spirituality. So the Dominicans, for instance, would tend to, to emphasize scholarly work. They would um, live out their religious vows through study and teaching. Um, okay. Whereas the, the the Franciscans would be more mendicant, they would they would beg and spend a lot of time praying. Um, with the with the brothers of the Society of Saint Pius X, they were established by Archbishop Lefebvre, and he had a lot of experience as a Holy Ghost Father with the with the brothers of his own order, um, the Spiritans, and so they had brothers, and he saw um, how good they were at assisting the priest uh, and living with the priest and, and forming a really a, a certain backbone of the priestly community. And I, I myself, I was able to see that um, when, when I was in Australia and I was actually the, the novice master for the brothers there uh, for 10 years. So the brothers there at the seminary, we also have brothers at the seminary in uh, Virginia, but the, the, the brothers um, have a certain stability. Um, they ha are very prayerful, um, and they can provide a great support to the priests. So what the archbishop wanted to do, both with the, with the brothers on the one hand and, and the sisters on the other hand, because they're sisters of society, it's brothers of society, uh, is he wanted to form this, this family of, of religious around the altar. Um, so... The, these brothers and these sisters would be religious, just like all the other religious in the history of the church. They would take the three vows, poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, but they would live out their vows um, by assisting the priest and being devoted to the mass. Um, so that's what mm -hmm. our brothers do. 
um, they they live with the priest and they pray the office with the priest. Um, they're bound to the daily 15 decade rosary, um, and they have certain um, tasks that they perform. There's certain um, things that they specialize in. Um, so, okay. you know, one brother might be an accountant. Um, one brother might might be a teacher. The other one might be a, a woodworker or a cook or, or something like that. But um, catechism teacher. So they, they just um, tend to to specialize in, in some certain work um, when they're in their formation, um, when they're preparing to take their vows. And then when they go to their assignment at a prior or whatever, like the, the brothers in Phoenix, I don't know if Brother Alfonso's is still there, but remember yes. him back when I visited Phoenix in, in the year 2000, yeah. if you go 20 years ago, <laughs> Brother Alfonso was there. Um, so that shows you the stability of the brothers. Um, but but uh, they, as I say, the, the, they um, contribute greatly to assist the priest and in, in the, in the priestly apostolate. Well, and, and that's the whole reason. I mean, the entire point, well, I don't want to say the entire point, but the number one reason for the Society of St. Pius X's existence is the preservation of the priesthood, the traditional Catholic priesthood. And so it follows then that the duties of the brothers, the sisters, and even the members of the third order of the SSPX, those are the three members of the Society of St. Pius X other than the priests. They're there to support the priesthood in a basic, simple way, I guess that's kind of the goal of there, right? No, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, just as for the Holy Ghost Fathers, the, the, the purpose of, of the Spiritans was to do missionary work. And so they had brothers and sisters, uh, consecrated religious, with the priests and performing that missionary work. Whereas with the Society of St. Pius X, our particular focus is the priesthood. And so there's also um, sisters and brothers who have consecrated their lives to assist in this work of um, building up the Catholic priesthood, and and also um, the the spirituality is associated with that is that great devotion to the mass, to the sacrifice of the mass. Yeah, it is inspiring. Um, I hadn't had a lot of experience with the brothers. Um, I'd been around the sisters quite a bit back in St. Mary's. Um, so when I came here to Phoenix, it was my first time around the brothers, uh, and it's been inspiring to see what they do. Uh, they seem tireless, you know, sometimes I feel badly because when there's something to be done at the church at the priory, oh, brother, we'll do it. Just give it to brother. Uh, <laughs> um, but you said that the brothers specialize in different tasks. I know one of our brothers who works at the district house, he specializes in IT. So he does all the emails and that kind of stuff. Um, it seems like just like the priesthood, there are many different types of people who could become an SSPX brother. Uh, but broadly speaking, Father, what kind of person would make a good brother? Or maybe we could take it a step further and let's say a young man is looking to devote his life to God. Um, why choose a priesthood versus SSPX brother or vice versa? So um, I, I think it's important to, to make the distinction between the religious vocation and the priestly vocation. They're two very different vocations with two very different purposes. So okay. uh, the purpose of the priestly vocation, the, the priestly vocation is a very public vocation, the priest is ordained for the church. So he's mm. ordained in order to provide the sacraments and spiritual goods to the church to, to, to teach, to sanctify, to, to rule the faithful, to govern the faithful, lead them to, to holiness. Um, whereas the religious life is, is more um, uh, directed towards the one pursuing the vocation so that they can save their souls. So it's the most effective mm -hmm. way to save their souls. Our Lord has this invitation. 
if that will be perfect, follow me. Um, so, and, that, and, and a certain person is attracted to that. They say, I want to be perfect. Um, I want to pursue perfection in the best way possible. And our Lord has said that in order to do that, I must take the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, so they hear that call of our Lord. They say, I want to save my soul in the most effective way possible. I want to pursue holiness, sanctity. In order to do that, I must live in the religious state. So that's why I'm going to choose the religious state. So someone who um, has that great desire for, for their own salvation, has that great desire to give their life to God, um, has, you know, a, a certain inclination in, in that direction. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just a very beautiful life. Um, I, I think it's uh, beautiful for various reasons. Obviously, the, the main reason is, is this total giving of yourself to God. Yeah. Um, but also it's, it's a very, uh, peaceful life in many respects. Um, um, you know, if, if, if they, if someone doesn't want all the burdens and stresses of, of the priesthood, <laughs> um, right. they, they should become a religious, um, because, uh, the, the religious life is often a, a very peaceful life. There's, um, when you, when you remove the, the care of riches, uh, and money through the vow of poverty, when you remove the care of a family through the vow of of chastity, and when you even remove the care of making like major decisions um, through the vow of obedience, well, um, you're left free to give your soul completely to God, and okay. I think that that is what makes the religious life uh, very attractive. In a lot of ways, that's something uh, you know, as someone living out in the world with a job and a family, I look at that and I and I go, that'd be nice not to have to make any decisions <laughs> and just be obedient. <laughs> Um, speaking of the vow of poverty in particular, uh, one of the questions this person asked is, can you give the brothers any gifts? And so I guess I'll expand on that a little bit, Father, with a question of my own, which is, what is the best way to uh, support the SSPX brothers? Well, um, because the, the brothers take the vow of poverty, um, they're not able to to add to their possessions. So they're, they're not able, mm -hmm. strictly speaking, to receive gifts. Now, it, it may be someone goes up to the brother and they say, you know, take this to your superior and ask him if, if you can keep this. And uh, a brother is allowed to keep certain things um, if he has the permission of the superior. But when someone walks up to them, he doesn't know um, if the superior will, will allow him. Um, so it is different from, from approaching a priest because the priests don't take the vow of poverty. But um, if the, because the brothers do take the vow of poverty, um, they can't receive gifts. Um, but you know, someone can go to the superior and say, um, can I give this to, to brother? Um, or the, the brother, brother, the, the brother might say, um, you know, I can't, I can't receive this right now, but let me ask my superior if he would allow me to, to take this gift. Um, or as they say, someone might approach the brother and say, can you just give this to the community? Can you, can you sure. use this for the community? It's not for your personal use, that sort of thing. Sure. And they can share in that and that'd be appreciated as well. Um, the, the novitiate, the place of training, uh, that's in the old seminary building in Winona. It's uh, now Holy Angels novitiate. Yes. So it's the, the, the former location of St. Thomas Aquinas Seminary there in Winona, where I did my, my formation there from 2000 right. to 2006. Um, so it's now become the novitiate uh, for the brothers up there in Winona, Minnesota. Great. That's wonderful. Well, moving on to the next question, which is about yoga. Uh, a questioner asked, 
I wanted to know if the physical movements can be separated from the spiritual practices. Uh, if not, is there a Catholic alternative? Uh, she mentioned that there is a possible Catholic alternative called Pieta Fitness, which I haven't heard of, and this isn't a, uh, a recommendation. Um, but essentially, the question boils down to, Father, is yoga allowed? I think in the past, the church has broadly said no, because it involves meditation, I think. Uh, but can someone do the stretches, the poses, the exercises without the meditations? Is that okay? Well, I mean, um, if if we're going to do exercise, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But but if, if we would just want to do the exercise, let's not call it yoga, because yoga is a specific um connection between exercise and meditation it's it's an eastern practice where the the meditations um go with the exercises and the exercises go with the meditations so there is this strong religious element by definition with yoga um so if we're just if we're just talking about doing a stretch um and we're going to do stretch a stretch b stretch c you know over a period of 15 minutes fine um, there's no problem with that, um, but let's not call that yoga. If we're going to call it yoga, um, then really what we're doing is we're we're trying to enter into this Eastern practice of doing certain physical movements in order to assist a specific form of meditation, and and that's that's the very Buddhist form of meditation. The Buddhist mentality is that. What you want to do is is to remove yourself from reality as far as possible. Um, it's it's very much focused on oneself and and trying to remove my myself from the world around me and focus on myself, center on myself. Um, whereas Catholic meditation, <clears throat> the goal of Catholic meditation is is sort of free myself from myself um, by by attaching myself to God. So the the two purposes of, of meditation for for the Eastern pagan religions and the Catholic religion are pretty much opposite um, in the sense that um, Catholic meditation, I'm trying to direct myself towards God. Um, Buddhist meditation, I'm trying to direct myself towards myself, center myself in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they came up with these, these special exercises as a way to assist them to perform that particular Buddhist meditation um, or Hindu meditations. In fact, there's, there's different methods of, of yoga, um, there's, there's different religious strains, the, the Hinduism, the Buddhism, the Jainism, um, and they have different ways of doing yoga, but it, it's effectively the same mentality, um, for, for all those three religions. So if, if I can jump in for a second, father, is it similar to how as Catholics, we sometimes adopt a posture of prayer, whether it's kneeling or folding our hands or something like that? Is that kind of the same thing where the movement is closely tied with the meditation? It goes hand in hand and you can't really separate the two. So if you're doing yoga, it does inherently combine those two elements. So if you want to exercise in that form, it's best to stay away from something which advertises itself as yoga because they're just so ingrained. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even with Catholics adopting a posture of prayer, it's, it's a posture that where we remain stable, we, we don't, we're not moving mm. our bodies. Um, so the posture of prayer is in order to induce in ourselves a state of mind is true. Um, but it's not exercise. So it's a certain um, position of the body, but it's not a position that's constantly changing. Um, Some, sometimes it can feel like exercise though. <laughs> you're at a high mass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Not crazy, you know, yeah. or you're genuflecting um, uh, over and over again. <laughs> Sorry. <yeah, go> <laughs> so, so, but 
I, don't, I just don't think there is in the, in the Catholic tradition any history of using exercise as a means to prayer. Um, we, we Catholics, we generally disassociate the two things. When we want to pray, we don't use exercise as a means to achieve that. We want to, when we want to meditate. Um, I, I think for us, like you, you think of the Ignatian method of ex, uh, <laughs> meditation, not exercise. Right. Um, it is called exercises, by the way, you know, right. spiritual exercises, right. but not physical exercises. So, so the spiritual exercises, um, those involve certain use of the body in the, that we use our imagination and we use our right. senses and we, use, we do use the posture of the body, uh, but we don't exercise in, in order to do that. So we use the body in a higher way than, than doing exercise. Um, so I think, I just think there's a different mentality and these, this Pieta, I mean, I, I tried to look up the, the Pieta fitness. All I found was Pietra fitness. So maybe it's Pietra fi- fitness. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, you got the women there with their yoga pants on, um, and which which are pretty indecent. Um, there's often a, a certain um, exercise. You know, like the the clothes are are specifically di- designed to streamline the body for exercise. They're very revealing and so on. Um, typically, the clothing that goes with these sorts of exercises are not good either. Um, yoga pants are pretty much an abomination in my mind. But um, yeah, that's why I don't wear them. Um, so much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so these, uh, the, the, I, I think what they're trying to do these these Catholics are just like everybody's into yoga. So let's do yoga. Um, let's just call it Catholic. Um, but it's it's like for me, it's like Christian rock. Um, so the Protestants are, are like, hey, rock is the thing today. Everybody's in the rock. So we want people to be interested in religion. So let's do Christian rock. Um, but there are certain things that just cannot be made religious. They, 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 there's no way to sanctify them. Um, they just belong to the secular realm. And I think with, with regards to exercise, um, that's pretty much the case. The, the, the Catholic mentality, it's, it's hard to, to take uh, exercise <clears throat> and make it into a prayer because it's so physical. So full disclosure here, and maybe we can set up a little confession screen here on our zoom chat. Uh, <laughs> but I've done yoga before. And one of the things I've noticed, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Thanks father. It's been three months since my last uh, zoom confession. Um, <laughs> but I guess my question to you is uh, a little bit of clarification is, there are reasons why people would want to use yoga, that type of exercise. Um, for myself, my knee is injured, so I can't do running or that high impact cardio type exercise. So the yoga workouts were really beneficial. Um, so if you were just following the poses and doing the poses and the exercises and you weren't getting into the mental part, the meditative part, emptying your mind and all that stuff. And if you're not going to a co-ed class, maybe let's say you're a male, just going to a males only class with a male instructor or teacher or vice versa. Well, I guess then I'd answer my own question. You really wouldn't call that yoga because that's just exercise. Well, I mean, you would call it yoga because it's, that's what they would be calling it. I mean, come to yoga. That's what they would be telling you. So, um, yeah, as, as I say, I mean, I think we can find, um, fitness programs that are not called yoga and that's what we should do. Just because we okay. know that yoga, by definition, 
is a series of exercises developed in the East for doing Buddhist meditations. Um, and even if you're not doing the meditations yet, you are doing exercises that you know are supposed to be associated with these sorts of meditations. And I mean, I, we, I just don't think we should want to be a part of that um, in, in any way. It's just, I mean, it, I, I do think there, there can be a mentality that goes with it. Of course, if it's just the exercises that's going, going on, I mean, you're not going to walk out of there and lose your Catholic faith. There's no way. Right, um, right. But, you know, it's just, as a Catholic, oh. it, it kind of grates against your Catholic sense to say, I'm going to do yoga, and I know that these are exercises developed for Eastern pagan meditations. I mean, like, why would I want to do that? Um, uh, and there's plenty of fitness programs out there. I know there, there's a big, the, the, the CrossFit, you know, with the, with the carols, with their, their CrossFit box there in, in St. Mary's um, yeah. have made a lot of people very fit. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so th this is a, a perfectly legitimate way to get exercise, whereas yoga is tainted uh, by its very nature. Sure. So it's definitely something like if you want to do it, it's kind of like I'm, I'm skating right up to the line and it's maybe not an occasion of sin. I don't think you're saying that father, but it's kind of testing the waters. Yes. And okay, I mean, okay. there's, there's a certain hipness today about, about yoga and there's, there's this like this new age connotation and, and it's sure. like the end thing. And I, even from that respect, it, it can be a little bit worldly. That's, that's just my impression. But yeah, as they say, okay. I don't own any yoga pants, so I um, can't really speak from experience there. Unlike yeah. <laughs> well, but they are super comfy. I'll tell you, but moving on father boy, time's getting short. I tell you, gotta, gotta keep going. <laughs> um, question. Yeah. Boy came right in time. Uh, third question we had for you, father, uh, is can someone who is divorced and remarried get their child baptized? I have a friend who is in this situation. The questioner asked and is scared to ask because she's afraid she'll be refused. And if the answer is no father, could you please explain why not? Um, my thought, the questioner says, the child is not responsible for the fact that his parents are divorced. Is that right? Yes, yes, that's essentially correct. <clears throat> so um, the restrictions for the reception of the sacraments is placed on the divorced and remarried people. It's not placed on their children. So when a priest mm -hmm. um, is approached by someone, they're saying, I, I want you to baptize my child. Um, they don't say, well, your, your parents are divorced and, and remarried and therefore, you know, you can't receive the sacraments. Um, but the priest asks is <clears throat> that there be some guarantee that the child will be raised in the Catholic faith. You don't want mm -hmm. to baptize a child and therefore give them the obligation of living according to the Catholic faith and then have no expectation that they'll be able to fulfill that obligation. It's like, well, I have no expectation this child will be taught the Catholic faith, will be raised in the Catholic faith, will receive the rest of the sacraments, but we'll just baptize them. I mean, this is what we tell to grandmothers who are deploring the fact that their, their grandchildren are, are not being um, baptized. We say, well, you know, we don't baptize the child <laughs> and we are not going to baptize the child because your uh, granddaughter or your grandson is not living the Catholic faith. And we, what will happen is we'll baptize the child. They'll grow up. They will be a baptized Catholics, but they've never be taught the faith or given any means in order to practice the faith. So that's just not right to, to do that. And they'll be judged as a Catholic at the last judgment. Exactly. Is that right? There will be a heavier responsibility upon them. Um, obviously, they should. It's the best thing for them to, to come to the Catholic faith. 
but it has to be through instruction. We have to anticipate that they'll uh, not only be given that that character, which marks them as a as a Catholic, um, but they'll also be given the means to fulfill it. But as far as the divorced remarried themselves, <clears throat> um, yeah, well, for them to receive the sacraments, they must. Um, it, it depends on the situation. Um, sometimes the priest will ask them to separate and, and say, look, um, you need to live in, in different places and then you mm. can come back to the sacraments. At other times, especially if um, there's children, um, the, the priest can ask them to, um, to, to sleep in separate rooms, to live as brother and sister. Um, and if they give certain guarantees, they have a certain stability in that. Um, and perhaps there is no danger of scandal <clears throat> that people will will not be aware that that, they're, that these people have been divorced in the past, um, then they might be a situation where they could start receiving the sacraments. Um, but the question for them is different from the question for the children. Um, for the children, it's just, are they, will they be able to practice the faith themselves? And I guess it'd be the same, and, and the questioner didn't ask this, but it would probably be the same sort of situation for a child born out of wedlock or a circumstance similar. At the end of the day, the priest needs to make sure that whoever he is baptizing, whether it's a baby or an adult, is going to be able to live the Catholic faith or learn the Catholic faith before he performs a baptism. He needs some sort of guarantee. So, in a sense, the parents may not even have to be Catholic. I mean, taking it to the extreme, but if the priest feels comfortable that the child will be raised a Catholic, he will perform the baptism because... In the end, you can't judge a baby for the parents' sins. Right, exactly. And I mean, th th there are cases where the grandmother is heavenly involved. Perhaps the grandmother is, mm -hmm. is watching the child every single day while the mother or the father is at work. Perhaps the mother or the father is not Catholic, but they just don't really care about the religious side of things. Right. And the grandmother's always there. Um, it's one yeah. of these sort of close family relationships. Um, and we, we can fully expect that the, the grandmother will uh, be able to educate the child, send the child to the Catholic school and, and everything. Um, and the parent is not going to mind. Well, in, in such a case, we, we might judge that, sure, we can go ahead and, and baptize the child. Okay. Well, very good. Well, another example of the heavy responsibilities and, and a lot of decisions you have to make, Father. Unlike, uh, unlike the brothers that we talked about earlier in this interview, Father. Well, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you again in our next batch of questions. We have more of them coming in all the time. So uh, very much appreciate it, Father. My pleasure, Andrew. Hope we can do it more often. I'll have to find some time. <laughs> well, just make the virus go away. <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> Thanks, Father. Thank you for listening to this episode of Questions with Father on the SSPX podcast. If you would like to support the SSPX podcast, of course you can by donating. Please visit sspxpodcast.com and there you can find ways to set up a recurring donation, $5, $10 a month, something like that will help us immensely, $20 a month if you're able, or you can just do a one-time donation too. But the more people that we have doing monthly recurring donations, that helps us quite a bit with putting together all kinds of programming. If you're not able to donate right now, totally understandable, and these episodes are always free to listen to, but if you aren't able to donate monetarily, please share this episode with a friend, share this podcast with a friend, either using your podcast app or program, or just send them to the website, sspxpodcast.com, or send them a link to this video on YouTube. All of these are ways that you can help spread the beauty and the truth of traditional Catholicism. Thank you for listening, and until next time, God bless you.